Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that the peace of the Lord that surpasses all understanding will continue to guard your heart and mind in Him. And to our friends who are joining us, welcome. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you prayed for your disciples. You pray, Lord, that they will not be taken out of this world, but while they are in the world, you will be with them. And Lord, you have given us your spirit. And it is through your spirit that will sanctify us. Sanctify us then, Lord, with your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. At the start of this year, our church vision is about renewed heart producing a transformed life. A month ago, a crisis came, a pandemic proportion. We are face to face with this uncertainty. There were a lot of questions asked. People were looking to God for answers. They were going through his words, expecting God to give them answers. God, where is your hope? Where is the peace? Where is the joy during this time? You see, we expected a lot from God. We expected to be comforted by him. And that's true because our God is faithful and he gives to us what we need when we come to him. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, we need to also know that God expects from us also. What does God expect from you and me? I remember the story of Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk. There was an impending judgment, an invasion of the nation of the Babylonians who was going to invade the southern kingdom. God had detailed to Habakkuk what is going to happen. The prophet asked, what about those who are righteous? What do they need to do? How come they will be also punished along with this unrighteous people? God said, the righteous shall live by faith. And brothers and sisters, before this crisis, the Sunday, the last Sunday, we talked about faithfulness, one of the fruit of the Spirit, that we are to be faithful. So this morning, I want us to continue on the fruit of the Spirit, which talks about goodness. See, the Spirit needs to produce in us 
this characteristic of goodness. So what is goodness? This is an important fruit because it talks and leads us back to God who is the source of what is good. God is good. What does it mean? Good means something excellent and praiseworthy, having nobility in virtue and morality. God, according to the scripture, is the standard of what is good. Psalms 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We are invited to know and experience the goodness of God. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Here, one more verse is Psalm 27, 13. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's nature is that he is good and his nature is expressed to us in what we call his goodness. His goodness. So his goodness simply is producing the actions that are consistent of who God is and what he wants that results in the benefit of his creation. So when we talk about his goodness, his, these are his plans, his actions, consistent with his nature, resulting that results to our benefit. Therefore, since God is the standard of what is good, our definition of what good is should be measured and compared to his standard. When we say this is good, we go back and compare our definition of what good is if it fits to God's standard of what is good. Because he is the source of good. He is good. Now we know this. James also mentioned that his standard does not change because God does not change. Every good and perfect gift comes from God who does not change like shifting shadows. You see, it's hard for us to have a standard if that standard is not consistent. If it changes, if it fluctuates, it's going to be hard for that to be a standard. But since God in one of his qualities, one of his attributes is immutable, it doesn't change, we can expect that a good God will always be good. He has been good in the past, in the present, and he will be good in the future. That's why we say God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You see, merely with this statement, we are reminded of two characteristics of God. Now, every action of God includes His love, His mercy, His faithfulness, His blessings, and take note, including His discipline, His trials, 
and pruning are for our good. So it's not that we do not know what those goods are. Everything that God does flows out from His nature and every action is good. Is God's love good for us? Is God's blessing good for us? Is God's faithfulness, His mercy good for us? Of course. Now, is His discipline good for us? Yes. Is trials good for us? James says, rejoice. Consider it joy when you face trials because we know that there's something good there. So everything that God does is good. It is good. That's why Paul says in Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. So everything, going back, blessings, trials, mercy, faithfulness, discipline, from the beginning of your life until the day the Lord takes us home, God, everything that God does is for our good. That's His goodness. Now, in conclusion, we say God's nature is good. It does not change. His plans and actions result always in our benefit. Now, we see God's goodness. Now we need to see a contrast. What is that? How does the Bible describe man? Man is sinful. In my sinful nature, we cannot do the things that God wants us to do. Here's what Paul says. I know nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh, for I have desired to do what is good, but I don't carry it out. I do not do the good I want to do. Instead, I keep doing the evil I do not want to do. See, Paul has, he, he doesn't have a problem of knowing what he should do. He needs to show love. He needs to forgive. He needs to help. But those good things that he wanted to do is being prevented from being carried out by his by his nature, his sinful nature. And his sinful nature is influenced by his heart. And this is how Jesus described our heart. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Our heart that influences our sinful nature, all of these actions come together are not pleasing to God. This is all coming from our heart, our sinful nature. So whatever we do, we cannot please God. The good that we want to do cannot be produced in us. And that's how Christ sees it. So we need help. We need help from the outside. We need God. This is why also Romans 3.10 says, There is no one who does good, not even one. Because to do good, brothers and sisters, you need a new heart. Bible says a new heart 
should be planted in us. Not the old heart to be repaired, retouched, overhauled. No. We need a new heart. Ezekiel 36.26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So how can we have a heart of flesh? We need the help of God. A new heart will influence our new nature. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. There's going to be a battle. Paul exposes us with the reality that there's battle taking place inside us. The good that we need to do, we can't do because of our old nature. So what do we need? We need, we need Christ. We need to come to Him. We need to ask Him to give us a new heart. And we do that by repenting from our sin and surrendering our life to God. And if we do that, brothers and sisters, God will give you a new heart. Man's heart and nature is evil. He cannot do things that are acceptable to God. He needs a new heart and a new nature. See, when we surrender our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. It is when the Spirit is in us then can God's goodness come out. It can be manifested. Because the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. To do good, His standard, we need His Spirit. But does that mean that we, because we have the Spirit now, we can just anytime produce goodness? No. Here's one important thing that you also need to understand. We need to be filled with His Spirit. Having the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit is a different thing. You can have the Spirit but not be filled. But to produce goodness, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Being filled simply means to be under the control of the Spirit. The Spirit's desire is this, to produce the qualities of God. He wants to produce the qualities of God's goodness in us in order to benefit others. See, the goal of the Spirit is to produce goodness in you so that God's goodness will also benefit others. You enjoy, you experience God's goodness and then you transfer, you show, you practice that goodness to others. That's God's goal and it is done through His Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 7, we need to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Again, Walking in the Spirit allows you to produce, to do the things that you want to do. What are the things that you want to do? Paul knows that. We need to show love. We need to forgive. We need to be faithful. We need to help. But all those things, we need to walk in the Spirit, under the control of the Spirit, so we can produce and manifest them. 
Here an example of a spirit-controlled life. We are obedient to God's will. We desire His holiness and intimacy with Him. We produce the fruit of the Spirit. So this is the key, brothers and sisters. We need to be not only have the Spirit, but to be filled, to be under the control of the Spirit. Spirit-controlled life is beneficial for us and benefits. The benefit will also benefit others. That's why Peter says, if you possess these qualities, the goodness, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're able to produce goodness. And these qualities continue, let them grow in you. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's one thing that you know the truth, but it's another thing applying them. And Peter is saying to keep us from being ineffective, we need to be under the control of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, how does the Spirit fill us? How can we be filled with the Spirit? The Spirit should control our mind with the Word of God. That's how the Spirit works. See, Jesus reminded the disciples that when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will remind them of everything that Jesus had said. So the work of the Spirit, He will not speak of His own, but He will speak of what the Lord had already revealed to the disciples. So the Spirit will bring back to their memory the words of Christ. And this is important because the key here is affecting or influencing our mind. In Psalms 1, 1 and 2, this is how the psalmist described God's word. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. What, does, what happens to this man? He is like a tree planted by a stream of water and yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prosper. The word of God is what the Spirit will use to transform our mind, to transform how we think. You see, what we put in our mind affects how we see things and how we talk and how we do things. To produce goodness in us, the Spirit will use God's Word because God's Word will transform how we think, transform how we see things, do things, talk about things, and even prioritize things. The mind is a powerful force. It can enslave us or empower us. It can plunge us into misery or take us into the heights of ecstasy. Learn to use the power wisely. In the same way, the Spirit uses our mind for everything that we do. In fact, before you commit a sin, it has to be processed first into your mind. So we can stop sin here in our mind. If you let the Spirit control you, if you let the Word of God, if you meditate on it, 
the influence, the impact that sin will have, the flesh will have on you, will be mitigated. Romans 12, 2, do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be filled with the Spirit and let the Spirit control our mind by His words. Now, how do we do that? As the Spirit uses God's word, what are these words? What are the key verses that I want to say or use? The key transformational verses that will help us in meditating, in transforming, becoming more under the influence of the Spirit. I call this the keys to transformation verses or uh, it's called DTES. So very quickly, let's start with the D. D is dead in Christ. What do we mean? Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul wanted the Galatians to know that he no longer, it's not that Paul is dead. Paul is alive, but his life doesn't belong to him anymore. We no longer own ourselves. Christ owns us. We are his slaves and property. Therefore, he is able to do with us whatever we, he wishes. Just think about that for a moment. You let that verse sink in. Meditate, reflect on what that means. Dead in Christ means my personal priorities now should be what Christ wants. Imagine driving and thinking, reflecting, meditating. Lord, how can my priorities now be not about myself but you? My goals should be to please God. Lord, what are the things I do in life now? that will please you, that I can set goals that will please you. You see, your priority in pleasing and setting goals is now about Christ because you don't own yourself anymore, but Christ do. My action should cause people to see more of Christ and less of me. Lord, how can people see more of you in what I do? as a leader, uh, in my profession, as a businessman, you start contemplating on this. This is the key. As you contemplate, you meditate, your mind changes. Think of others. Because we no longer belong to ourselves, we belong to Christ, we now are able to do what our master wants. And guess what? God wants us to be a blessing for others. His, we, he wants us to be the instrument where His goodness will be revealed to others. So we need to let those verses that talks about thinking others, we need to meditate on them. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That each of you look no longer to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Thinking of others means becoming a blessing. Lord, how can I be a blessing to my neighbor? How can I be a blessing to those who are in need? Intentionally making time to help them. 
time is very precious. It's a gift. It's gold. So how can I make time for them? See, as you process them, meditate on them, the Spirit will give you the wisdom on how to act on them. Focusing on how they can be blessed by God's Word. Expect nothing. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So God's goodness is that He gives blessings even to those who are ungrateful. Now God wants you, through you, He will use you to be His blessing also for others. Expect nothing. Why? Because it is God who will be your reward. God is not unjust. He will not forget your works and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. Expect nothing. As we meditate, we continue to do good when we are not appreciated. How many times, how many times have you have done things that you felt you were not appreciated? If you did it for yourself, you'll feel angry. But if you did it for the Lord because you are dead to yourself, you expect nothing. Lord, let me rejoice because I know you will reward me. So continue to pray for them that persecute you. That becomes your motivation. We continue to forgive when we are wrong. And lastly, have a servant attitude. As you contemplate on those verses, add to this verses of the story of Christ washing his disciples' feet. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Having a servant attitude means be willing to serve in every occasion. Now start meditating on that. Lord, your words have said that we should do them. How, O oh Lord? Please teach me, Father, what I need to do. Always pray for humility. Lord, I know having a servant attitude means my, my demeanor should always be humble. Be faithful giver to the poor in need. During this time of crisis, have people phoned you or texted you asking for help? How did you respond to them? Do you walk the extra mile? Do you give to them? Brothers and sisters, have a servant attitude to those who are in need. Galatians 6 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's start within our church, within our brothers and sisters. Then as we do all this, this is what Jesus says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see, we need to subdue the sinful nature. We need to let the new nature come out 
we need to let the Spirit flow and use our new nature to bear the fruit of the Spirit so we can do good works. See, it's not much of a problem of not knowing the good that you need to do. It's more of a problem of being able to do that good because we are being suppressed. We are being limited. Our old nature is fighting us. Let the Spirit control uh, your thoughts through His words and produce goodness in you. In closing, let me tell you the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was asked this question, Who was my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw him half dead, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The good Samaritan was good. He was able to do all that Jesus mentioned in the story. But did you know, brothers and sisters, that good Samaritan was describing no other than our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to this world not following his own will. He had nothing. He was born in a manger. He grew up unknown from an unknown village. He was thinking of fulfilling God's will. He was not thinking about himself. He was thinking of you and me. When he hung on the cross, people spit on him. People mocked him. On the day of his crucifixion, people were laughing at him. The enemies, he did not expect anything from them. But he even prayed for them. He prayed for them. And Jesus set us the example of what a servant is. His attitude from the beginning till the end. Because Jesus said, I came to seek and save those which are lost. He came with a servant attitude. In closing, Paul says, follow me as I follow the examples of Christ. I pray, brothers and sisters, that Christ's example, His life, through His Spirit, can produce in us the fruit of goodness.
during this time of crisis? These are some questions you may discuss. After that, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord Jesus. Through your forgiveness, we are able to receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit produced in us the fruit of goodness that when people see us, they will glorify God, our Father. May this be our prayer during this time of crisis in Jesus' name. Amen.